when you uh, come to the place in your life and that song's actually your song, and you understand that He is all that you need, that He's all that you want, and, and when that's your heart, when that's your cry, things change. Sure, that things still go on. Stuff still happens. All that kind of thing, but you understand that the most important thing is that I'm in the presence of the King. Lord, I praise you tonight for your presence in this place. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your blood that still works. Lord, and I pray that tonight if anyone finds themselves not knowing you, not desiring you, Lord, before this night is over, Lord, let their heart cry out. Let their life be surrendered to you. Lord, I pray that we, the body, the church, that we not lose focus. That we not be sidetracked. But Lord, let us remember to always, always preach, teach, love in your name. Lord, and I pray that tonight, Lord, we be changed, that we leave this place changed. Father, we thank you for this time. I pray that you anoint those that are teaching tonight or preaching. Anoint us to hear your word tonight in our heart to receive. Lord, I'm asking for your anointing to rightfully divide your word tonight. We give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. The, uh, you guys can go your way, whatever way you go. Jordan, you want to teach tonight? It's okay. Come here looking all crazy. I'll just throw you up here. I don't know if I'd throw you up here. I would ask you to come up here. Um, you're not going to believe it, but we're going to be in Mark tonight. <laughs> you may believe it, but I'm going to... Uh, do my best to finish up this for summer before Charlie uh, comes, so Charlie can wait another week. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but it's good. We may get through this. But um, <clears throat> whenever you're studying and you're going through stuff, and uh, you're you're just sometimes you feel like, man, this is just so much. But then you enjoy taking in so much. And that um, even something, a text, a portion of scripture that you've studied over and over, you study it again. And the beauty of it is that it becomes new and alive again in a different realm or way to you. Because he is always enlightening the eyes of our understanding. So we're in Mark 15. Uh, we're going to finish up chapter 15 and jump into chapter 16. But beginning in verse 42... And we'll go through 16, verse 7, being quite ambitious tonight, but we're going to go for it. Uh, last week, we talked about the death of Jesus. If you did not get a chance to be here last week, nor uh, tune in, or have you, not, you haven't heard last week, I encourage you to go back and listen, because it sure was something else. Um, Mark 15, beginning verse 42, says, And now when the evening was come, because it was the preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, of Arimathea, however you want to say it, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. And Pilate marveled if he were already dead. And calling unto the centurion, he asked him whether he had been uh, any while dead. And when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. And he bought fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in the linen and laid him in a sepulcher which was hewn out of rock and rolled a stone onto the door of the sepulcher and Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph beheld where he was laid chapter 16 and when the Sabbath was passed Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and so, uh, uh, and, and Solomon uh, is that right Sounds right. Uh, had, had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. 
And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun, and they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he said unto them, Be not affrighted, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He is risen, he is not here. Behold the place where they laid him, but go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goes before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said unto you. I know that Easter just passed and uh, seems odd maybe to some that why would you, I don't really call it Easter messages or, or Christmas messages or whatever. I call it the Word of God. The Bible is the Bible and it's good for, uh, don't matter if it's July the, the 11th, which is uh, coming upon us. That's our 23rd anniversary. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. But anyway, it don't matter if it's July the 11th or, or, or what it is. Um, you can have pumpkin spice and still preach about uh, uh, the, the resurrection or death of, of Jesus. So it does not matter. But in this text, and we, we find some, and I'm going to bring out some things and in, in, uh, uh, some, maybe some highlights that maybe you haven't really thought of. But uh, verse 42, when the evening was come because it was preparation, uh, that is the day before the Sabbath. Uh, so the evening had come, it, it was a, a approximately uh, 6 p.m. So it was around that time uh, when the high Sabbath of the feast would begin. And, 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 but now it was just after 3 in the afternoon, and, and a lot of work still had to be done. A lot of things had to be done before the Passover Sabbath began. Uh, and when that began, all the work had to stop. So I, I, if you were here on Easter, we, we hit some of this a little bit. But, but all the work had to stop because they couldn't do anything on the Sabbath. They couldn't. They couldn't do any, anything that they needed to do. So uh, during this three-hour period of time, Joseph of Arimathea, he had to go to Pilate. He had to, to uh, ask for the body of Jesus. And, and Jesus had to be taken down from the cross. Uh, and, and, and obviously, hopefully, some care was given in that process and placed in the tomb and it sealed before sundown. And had he not been taken off the cross, he would have had to hang there for another uh, three, uh, 24 hours. He would have to hang there. Because they couldn't get him down. Because they weren't allowed to do that. They weren't allowed to work. They weren't allowed to toil. They weren't allowed to, 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 to do anything. They had to rest. So, so that is the day before the Sabbath. It, it's, it was speaking of the high Sabbath of the Passover feast, which was... Thursday, not the ordinary weekly Sabbath, which was on Saturday. So a lot of people think that Christ died on Friday and he rose on Sunday. And uh, we, I'm not here to debate all of that stuff, but we confuse those, uh, the Sabbaths. But it confuses many. And, it, and it, they, again, they think that he died on Friday, and, uh, but he was actually crucified uh, on a Wednesday. And he spent three full days and nights in the tomb and rising on Sunday morning, just as he said he would. In Matthew 12 and verse 40, Jesus said it of himself. And he said he would rise. For as, as uh, Jonas was there three days and three nights in the well's belly, so shall the Son of Man be there three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He wasn't a liar. Our new day begins at 12.01 a.m. In that time, that period, their new day began at 6.01 p.m. Different than, than what we have going on. On what we would think of as a Saturday evening. But they would have reckoned that time as the beginning of Sunday. They would have no, recognized that as the beginning of Sunday. So uh, if you want to look at it, then we would be in Thursday right now instead of Wednesday afternoon. But Joseph was a member of the Grand Council of Jerusalem, the Sanhedrin, uh, which means that Joseph was a very wealthy man. He wasn't a beggar. He wasn't uh, a, just a run-of-the-mill, ordinary person. He was uh, highly esteemed. He was, an, uh, uh, In fact, the Holy Spirit says that he was an honorable man. The Holy Spirit, yes, 
The Holy Spirit inspires all the Word. <coughs> In Luke 23, 50 of 51, says that he was a, a, a good man and just and, and also himself waited for the kingdom of God. He also was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because of the fear of the Jews. And if you want to write these scriptures down, and I, I didn't give you some of these, but in John 19, 38, you can, we have a lot of uh, uh, disciples of Christ that are secret disciples of Christ. Um, he was rich, he was respected, he occupied one of the highest offices in the land, and it seemed that he had trouble openly declaring Christ the Lord. He, he had trouble openly declaring that he was a follower or devoted to Jesus Christ. And sadly today, 2021, there are many even presently who are secret disciples of Christ. And I can tell you, just as with Joseph, sooner or later you're going to have to reveal the secret or deny him. You'll have to reveal the secret because you're going to be put in a position where you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to reveal that, yes, I love Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus, or you're going to have to deny him. They're, 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 uh, I, I preached about coming out of the closet in a realm that not would, uh, as, as people say today, but the Christian, the closet Christian, talking about spending time in that prayer closet and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you and through you, but come out of that and, and, and teach and to preach and to love the world uh, as Christ has loved us. So there's a time going to come, just as with Joseph, he, he had, before he had, he had, he had kind of held back, and he kind of said nothing, but he knew what was going on. So he, he uh, uh, approached Pilate. He boldly went unto Pilate. That wasn't a common thing. That wasn't something you just did. He boldly went because he craved the body of Jesus. How many of us crave Christ? The Holy Spirit, again, uses that word honorable uh, uh, for a specific reason. He, he may not have been as bold as he should have been. See, today, the church would have just X'd him out. Well, you should have, you should have proclaimed him when you had a chance. He did. <laughs> he did. Uh, so he, he also, he says that he waited for the kingdom of God. He spoke of his hunger, and it was to be, be fulfilled in Christ, and, and, and it can only be fulfilled in Christ. Your hunger and thirst for righteousness can only be fulfilled in Christ. Nowhere else, no other way. You can do all of the right things, but if you are not seeking Jesus Christ, then you are just doing good things. So the phrase, he came and he went boldly unto Pilate, means that he did again what was not commonly done. He craved the body of Christ. He strongly requested that he be given the remains. He, if he had not went to get the body, Christ would have been buried with just the common thieves. He would have not have been buried in a, a tomb for the wealthy. He would have been buried with just the common thieves. And so time was running out. So what he was doing, he had to do it quick. Sometimes there's things that you just got to do. And if we wait, sometimes we wait so long that we let that opportunity pass us right on by. There is a time to wait on the Lord. There is a place that you should, we should always be seeking His face. But there is an opportunity when it's there and when it's given for the whole, and the Holy Spirit prompts you, it's to be done right then. Right then. You might order a double cheeseburger meal from McDonald's and don't know why. But then you go to the QT and you see somebody and then you understand why because they needed food. We got to act right then. We the church have become so lethargic and we have let opportunities pass us by. I want to tell you something. The world will keep going and the church has continued to sit on her hands. 
We, we are committed, Lake, I'm not saying for anybody else, but the church, Lakeside Church, be it here or Yakinville, 100% sold out to take the gospel as far as God will allow. If we have to exhaust every single penny in the bank. Because the money, what in the world good would it do for a church to have a bank account that has a half a million dollars in it and everybody around them is dying and going to hell? I'm sick and tired of churches just having big fat bank accounts. I understand that we're to be wise and good stewards of the money that the Lord has blessed us with. But I don't think that building another big, uh, big, huge building that we couldn't fill the first smaller building just uh, when we build another one just because. We need to be craving Jesus. We, we crave the things of Christ, but do we crave Him? Are we hungry for Him? Are we truly hungry for Him? Sometimes you watch these videos and you see these, these, these men or women or the, the spouse uh, uh, the, the, the spouse is, is, uh, uh, that, that has wealth is, is um, suspicious that the, the other, be it the, the wife or the husband, they just, they just want the money. And, and a lot of times that may be just the case. I, I mean, we have, we, we took the, 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 the I say oath, the, we made the promise that we would marry for richer or poor. I ain't never seen the richer part. Uh, we still waiting on the... <laughs> one day we will. Hallelujah. When the roll is cold up yonder. <laughs> uh, but but, but, but we, we, we have become so, so uh, desperate for the blessings of God and not necessarily Him. Joseph understood what was going to happen as if what had already happened was not humiliating enough, but he did not want Christ, the Lord and Savior, the redemption of the world to hang there any longer. I got to get him in the tomb. What, what, I mean, can you imagine the, the absolute uh, beauty that he had to, to, to help Remove and drape the body. Can you imagine draping the Savior of the world over your shoulders? Can you imagine uh, the blood that took away the penalty of sin, that removed the power of sin, that conquered death, hell, and the grave? It be saturating your clothes as you carried the Savior of the world to the tomb. We talk about Christ, and He is absolutely most important, and, and, and it should be. But can you imagine what he thought at this time? We, I cannot put myself in that place. And I try to. And I try to think. Because the blood still had to be warm. It, it still had to be warm. It still had to be flowing. It still had to be there. And I can't imagine what he felt. But he had that privilege and he craved the body and he did not want Christ to be born or buried with just the common criminal. So verse 44 says, And Pilate marveled if he were already dead and calling unto him the centurion, he asked, uh, basically he's asking him, is he really dead? Is, is, he, is he truly dead? Because uh, why would he ask this? Because it typically took several days for someone who was crucified to die. And it had only been a few hours. So he was asking, was, was, he, was he really dead? So the centurion, uh, he knew it, and he, and he, uh, he knew he was dead, and he, he, I guess he, he uh, uh, I don't know what word I'm looking for right here. Um, he made it known. I don't know what word that is. Uh, he basically was the coroner. <laughs> yes, he's dead. Uh, just a just a just a common soldier, a common uh, a person. But he at that day he was, the, I guess, the coroner. He he stamped the the death certificate, if you will. So Pilate uh, then then he satisfied himself with the answer. He was satisfied of that unprejudiced testimony of the centurion, the unbiased witness. So he 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 took him at his word, and he said, "Well, okay." 
and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but he gave the body to Joseph. He didn't give it to him uh, uh, out of maybe uh, gratitude or, or, or generosity. He wanted to wash him his hands of this whole scandalous situation. So he gave the body to him. He wanted to rid himself of the inconvenience of dealing with Christ. And what has it become in a lot of the church today? Dealing with Christ has become inconvenient to us. Because it messes up our schedule. I'll fit you in when I can fit you in. I want to tell you right now, I, I don't know why this has been on my heart for about three or four months. The Lord gives and He takes away. When you allow what He has blessed you with to become more important than you, some, and I'm not saying, and I'm not, I'm not casting any, any ill will toward anyone, but sometimes He will take the blessing away so you'll realize who you need. I'm a, I'm a, I am a prime example. When He removed what I chased, then that song we sang became real to me. Because the almighty dollar couldn't bring me peace. And boy, was I making it. It was good. But then it just left. And I realized he's all that I need. He's all that I want. So Pilate gave the body to Joseph, and, and he, Joseph, bought fine linen, and he took them down. I mean, you, you, you've got a lot to get done. Joseph has a lot to get done, and he took the time to buy fine linen. I don't know if he went to the linen shop or, 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 uh, or Janice's uh, fine linens, or I don't know where he, I don't, he did, I know he didn't get it off Amazon. But he took time. Why would he take time? Because I'm going to get the body of the Savior of the world and I'm going to wrap him in the finest. He bought linen and laid him in a sepulcher which was hewn out of rock and rolled a stone onto the door of the sepulcher. Again, the tomb was in the garden adjacent to the place of crucifixion which most certainly was the property of Joseph. <coughs> We call it a borrowed tomb. Why was it borrowed? Because he didn't need it long. <laughs> I mean, I, I ain't going to borrow nobody's uh, grave plot because I'm going to be there a while, or my body will. But he, he didn't need it long. I only need it for 72 hours. I, I, don't, I don't need this long. And could Joseph have, could the Holy Spirit have, have come upon Joseph and let him know this? We don't know. The Scripture don't tell us this. But he could have known, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to saturate the tomb that you prepared for your body with the presence of the king. He don't need it long. And he bought fine linen again. It played, he purchased on the way to, to, uh, back from Pilate to Golgotha. It wasn't a garment, but it was a piece of cloth. It was fresh and it was unused. It would be used to wrap around the body of Jesus. A lot of times, what we come to give Christ is our leftovers. When Summer and I were over outreach and, and we would do these big, huge events, I'm going to tell you right now, I, we would get some stuff that looked like, I don't, it looked like the, uh, the, the moth mafia got a hold of. I mean, I don't know what happened to this stuff. And people would bring pleather jackets that the whole pleather part was was like faded off, and we would just throw them away. And I'm like, what are we doing? But this is the attitude that we bring to Christ most often. I want your best, but I'm going to give you my half effort. I did get up this morning. <laughs> I may have been late to come into with my brothers and sisters to worship, but hey, better late than never, right, Lord? But we want him to be on time. So, so the tomb, again, was, was, was adjacent to the place of the crucifixion. It was obviously, it belonged to Joseph, and he bought fine linen, wrapped the body. He took him down. It was one of the most touching, heart-rendering moments in human history. If you think about this, the Savior of the world coming off of the cross. 
John's account, it seems that Nicodemus was waiting for Joseph at the crucifixion uh, site. And, and, and there may have been others there present. Even the Roman centurion may have, may have helped because it would have taken some time to get the body off the cross. He didn't just plop off. He was nailed to the tree. I don't know if they had. I don't know what they had to get the nails out, but they had to remove them. They had to get them out. In order to get Christ off the tree, they had to to, to remove those from the, the the. I guess it would probably have been almost driven through the bone. They had to take time to get them off because I know they didn't want to do any more damage than had already been done. And we look at this, and you can't imagine doing this. But it had to be done. So they, they took him down and, 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 and they removed the nails and, and, and whatever they used to get those out, we don't know. But Zechariah 13, 6, those wounds he will bear forever. It says, and one shall say unto him, what are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. So the body came down and Joseph had him and he, and he carried, he wrapped him in the fine linen and he laid him in the sepulcher which was hewn out of rock. It was, again, Joseph's old tomb. And they rolled the stone onto the door of the sepulcher. Means it was new, it wasn't old because if it was old, the stone would have already been there. It was brand spanking new. Brand hammer new, right? If you don't know what that is, ask Israel, he'll explain it to you. While our, uh, the Lord died a, a wicked death with thieves on the cross. He died that way. He was with uh, the rich in his death. Just exactly as was prophesied 800 years before in Isaiah 53 and verse 9. It says, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. I just find it absolutely astonishing. 800 years before he would die, the brutal death on the cross, it was even told down to the point of how he would be buried, and it would be with the rich. And they say this is just some fairy tale. Another prophecy being fulfilled. These women, uh, they were evidently there at first, uh, in verse 47, and Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, beheld where he was laid. So they were there when he was first laid in the tomb. They saw with their eyes where he had been placed. They saw him wrapped in the linen. They saw it. You ever seen something and you go back and you don't see it again? And you're like, man, I know. I know, I know it was there. I'm not crazy. They saw with their very own eyes where he had been laid. No doubt they watched Joseph and Nicodemus prepare the body, probably uh, both at the crucifixion site and at the tomb. But little did they realize, approximately 72 hours later, when they returned, the place where they saw him laying, he would not be there. He wouldn't be there. He, he would not be there because he had, had already told that he would raise again. When they saw him lay there, he was dead. Dead. D despite what he had said. And, and we find it, and maybe we, can, maybe we can say, well, I would be full of faith, and I would have just sit there and twiddle my thumbs because I know in, in three days he was going to rise again. But despite all that he said and all that you had just uh, witnessed and all that you had seen, even if you wouldn't look at it, you had to hear the, 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 the beating taking place and the moans and the groans, and you had to hear it, and you had to see the bloody trail and the, the gory, gruesome of, uh, 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 after effects of what had taken place. And you heard him say that he would raise again, but he was dead. There was, there was no one. There, there, there wasn't anyone there. The disciples weren't even at the tomb. 
These that spent time with him day in and day out, that sat at his feet, that learned, that watched him uh, turn uh, water into wine, that, that fed the 5,000, and he would multiply the fish and loaves of bread, that he would heal the sick, open the blinded eyes, that he would tell the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. They weren't even there at the tomb, and these women saw this, and they said, God, what's going to happen? All they could see was Jesus is dead. Evil, it seemed, had triumphed. That the sun, uh, I guess in essence, it wasn't going to shine anymore. But then we come to verse 1 in chapter 16. It says that when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And again, all of this proves right here, and I've hit this before, that they really didn't believe what Jesus had said because if they would have, they would have spent the money to buy the spices to anoint a body that wasn't going to be there. They would have saved their money, and they would have sat back and said, man, we're getting ready to see something happen that nobody can explain, that everybody's going to flip their lid when the stones rolled away. But they had prepared the sweet spices, and, and again, they came. They, they came to anoint the body. So Christ had been in the tomb three full days and night. And again, it destroys that, that myth that he was crucified on Friday because he could not have been in the, in the, in the tomb for, for three days and three nights. And if you want to argue that, argue it with yourself because I don't really care to. I tell people all the time, man, I've been married for 22, almost 23 years. We don't argue, and I love her more than I love you, and I'm not going to argue with you either. But anyway, in very early, verse 2, very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. Very early in the morning, spoke of daybreak on a Sunday morning. They came, uh, and they was probably uh, expecting to have somebody, or where they were, expecting to have somebody roll the stone away so they could go in and anoint the body. I don't think that they, they were, they were sk singing skippity-doo-dah, and, and locking arms and skipping and I-O, I-O, off to the tomb we go. I don't think they were doing any of that, but I think that they were probably walking in, in agony and anguish and thinking, man, I cannot believe this. Maybe, maybe looking at their feet or the path that were right in front of them, but not looking ahead. They came to anoint, uh, uh, the, or finish the anointing process of Christ. So Christ was placed in the tomb just before sunset on Wednesday evening, according to to the, the Jewish record, I guess, so that they came unto the sepulcher uh, at the rising of the sun. They took the first opportunity they had because they couldn't do it on the other. They took the very first opportunity they had to get to Jesus, to finish the process. But however, the rising of the sun that morning, the S-U-N, was also the rising of the S-O-N, the Son of God. And they, they didn't know it yet. They didn't know it yet. But when they got there, they would, they would obviously understand something happened. Something has happened. The resurrection, uh, it was, it was the, the ratification of what Christ had did on the cross. The resurrection was not a question because we spoke of it last week. Christ said, Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. So when he said it is finished, meaning that the blood had atoned for all sin, Past, present, and future. So if it had not been, then Christ would, would have not raised from the dead because death is the fruit of sin. Death is the penalty of sin. So when he, he atoned for all sin and he said it's finished, the resurrection wasn't a question. So we, we, we don't downplay the resurrection at all. It's glorious. But it's just a ratification of what had already taken place at the cross. This would be the most happy, joyful, wonderful day in their, these women's life that they had ever known, that they would know that Jesus is alive again. He's alive again. Verse 3 said, And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us the stone from the door of the sepulcher for? And when they looked, they saw the stone was rolled away. 
for it was very great. I, I don't know. I mean, can, I just, I try and I read and I, I have a vivid imagination and I can imagine they, they may have been looking at the, the spices and smelling the aromas and all of this stuff and they knew they were kind of getting close and they looked at it and they're like, what? Mary, the stone, the stone is rolled away. What's don't, I don't know what the conversation was. It wasn't recorded in, in Scripture, but I can imagine it would be, what in the world's going on here? What? Did, did somebody come and take Jesus? I mean, what, what happened? I can imagine they probably hurried. They probably uh, sped the process up a little bit. They wanted to get to the tomb. They wanted to see what was going on. Maybe somebody beat us here to anoint Jesus. I wanted to be first. Maybe, I, I don't know what was going on in their mind. But they looked up and they saw the stone was rolled away. They, they may have had downcast eyes, but they looked up and maybe, 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 just maybe the Holy Spirit sparked inside of them. Do you remember what he said? He ain't going to be here. He's alive. Verse 5, and entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting at the right side, clothed a long white garment, and they were afraid. And people will say, well, that would scare me. Right. You go in. I ain't never walked into a sepulcher. I don't plan on walking in one either. But, I mean, it would be like, in essence, you going to the, the, the what we call a graveyard to visit the headstone just to, whatever, share some memories, and then angels sitting right there talking to you. And if you say, I'd be like, oh, that'd be cool. It would scare you. So he was sitting on, a, and, and on the raised projection which had contained the body of Jesus, and in his sitting, it portrayed more than just the posture. Because in that day, you did not sit until the work was finished. Come on now. Even the angel knew, it's done. It's done. It's done. Where'd that stool go? I about sat down on the floor. <laughs> That'd have been something. But, but he couldn't have been sitting down if the, if the work hadn't been finished. Christ said, he proclaimed, he said, it is finished. So the angel sitting there, and, 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 and I'm going to paraphrase here. They came in. Are you looking for Jesus? Yes, he's not here. Don't be afraid of me. I got good news to bring to you. He's alive. He's alive. He lives forevermore. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. You don't have to worry about anything. You don't need your spices. You don't need your ointment. Don't weep. Don't worry. He's coming again. He's coming again. Again, they were afraid. Uh, Matthew, in, in Matthew 28, uh, verse 3 says, His countenance was like lightning. They had come and expecting again to find the corpse, but they found nothing. By now, they should have known that everywhere Christ was, the miraculous happened. They should have. The church should know that where Christ reigns, where God reigns, the miraculous happens, but we doubt. <coughs> Everywhere he went, people were healed. Lives were changed. Miracles were performed. Were performed. Angels appeared. This is Christ, who is the head of the church. Listen to me tonight. We are the body. He's the head. Yes, we're to be the body, but let him be the head. And when he reigns, the miraculous still happens. Why don't you see hordes of people coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Could it be because we've cut the head off? Why don't we see the miraculous happen? Why don't we see the, the lame healed, the blinded eyes open? Yes, signs and wonders will follow they who which or they which believe. But when Christ is the head, nothing is impossible. So it shouldn't have been a surprise to them, but it was. Again, tragically and sadly today, the headship of, the, uh, of Christ in the church has been too often replaced by a poor, sorry old man. 
I'm going to tell you right now. I, and I know people may say that they don't understand. I don't want my name on anything. I'm just thankful to be a part of the body. He's the head. We have become so consumed with being the body that we've neglected the head. Please don't go cut your head off, but if you did, your body ain't going to do nothing. Maybe it'd be like chicken. You're running around for a little bit. And then everything. But it ain't going nowhere. Verse 6 says that he said, Then be not afraid you seek Jesus of Nazareth. He which was crucified, he is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. See this? Look with your own eyes. He ain't. They didn't say that. He wasn't southern. He ain't here. Look. Right here. He's not here. You're looking for the living among the dead. He's not here. He is not here. He again said to them, be, do, be not afraid, uh, fear not. This, this thing is not ending as you thought. But praise God, it has just begun. My God. So, um, I, 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 one day I'm probably going to sling this Bible because I just get so happy. And I pray that it don't hit nobody. But you come to Christ. Death took place in your life that the old man has passed away and it did not end like you thought because he shed his blood at Calvary's cross for you and when you said yes to Jesus, then it's all just begun. God. It's all just begun. He's risen He's, he's not here. Uh, it's one of the greatest statements ever made that he is risen. Even though Calvary affected uh, man's redemption and it did so in totality, still Christ had Christ not risen from the dead, all of it would have been done in vain. He, he had even previously stated that while he would be crucified, yet still he would rise again. I will rise again. He, he's not here. Talking about, they're speaking of, he's, he, it's victory over death, hell, and the grave. Behold the place where they laid him. It signifies the empty tomb. In other words, he definitely was dead, but he now is definitely alive. Nobody stole him. Nobody carted him away. He's not hiding anywhere. He's not here. They saw where he was laid. They saw with their own eyes where he was laid. They knew he definitely was dead, but now they definitely know that he's alive. But verse 7 says, but go your way. And man, just give me a few minutes. But go your way, tell his disciples and, and Peter. People would strip on by this. Peter had just denied Christ. The church would have excommunicated Peter. They would have thrown him out. Don't tell Peter. Tell everybody but Peter. But he said, but go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goes before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said unto you. Again, there was no reprimand for the unbelief of the women. There was no reprimand for Peter because Peter had repented. Forgiveness comes with repentance. But with the church, it's not good enough. With the modern day church, repentance is not good enough in man's eyes because then you've got to prove something to yourself. In other words, if I would have done something this boneheaded and stupid and, and, and Madeline was one and, and, and Jason was the angel, that if it were modern day church, he would have said, go tell the disciples, he'll see you in Galilee. He wouldn't have told you to tell me. Because he hadn't proved himself yet. He hadn't done his time. He hadn't sat the sideline long enough. Can I Listen, I believe that there is a, 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 a process that takes place. But it is not our place as the church to punish people. 
And if this makes you mad and tells me that I'm out of line with the doctrine, then take my stupid license because I don't care. I'm sick and tired of the church pretending that they are God. We are not. We are the body. He's the head. I don't believe that we should be doing everything we want to do without consequence. There are consequences, but hear me clear. When you repent, it's forgiven. And it is not my position to question your repentance. And I'm about sick and tired of hearing people question it. Well, when did he make you God? When it don't line up with what we feel, what we like, what we think, then we want to question things without actually questioning the person. Without actually talking to the individual. i got a great friend who has been hammered over and over and over and over, been canceled out, been pushed to the side because they, people assume they know something and they don't know anything. I'm not going to stay here long. But go your way, tell the disciples and Peter again, it's a, it's a special effort made by the Holy Spirit. Make sure you let him know that he's forgiven. Make sure you let him know that he's still good enough. Make sure you let him know that I still trust him to be an ambassador for me. Make sure you let him know to be in Galilee. Don't you leave him. Don't you pass by him. Make sure you tell Peter too. Make sure. Why Galilee? This was the first place that Christ commissioned them, that called them. So he told them to come back. I'm going to recommission you again. Galilee was a place where no one would come to Christ. They wouldn't. Even their own people, he was, he was wounded in the house of his friends. They, they didn't turn to Christ. They, they, didn't, they didn't desire him. They didn't crave Jesus. Galilee is again where he commissioned them, and, and Galilee is where he would recommission them. But why does self-righteousness have to be so alive in the church? I'm going to tell you, church folk, listen to me. Those that may watch, there are a lot of Peters in the world that need to hear Jesus wants to see you in Galilee. You're not too far gone. You, you, yeah, you may have messed up, but you have sought Him. You have repented, and He wants to see you there. He wants to dwell with you, and He wants to talk to you. It's about time for the church to, to bring the Peters home, if, if, you, if it makes sense to you. That, listen, we have done such a, a horrific job at actually being the body. So I don't know, uh, you got something to play, I, I'm going to skip, there's just no, there's so much in here, I could go for, we, would, we wouldn't get through Mark 16 uh, until next year. But I don't know where you find yourself tonight, and I don't know if you'll watch or are watching, and maybe you're the Peter. Maybe you're the person who's just screwed, I have screwed up one too many times. I have made every excuse in the world to not be in his presence one too many times. And now I've bought into the lie of the enemy that you can't go because they're going to think you something of you and this and that and whatever else. I want to tell you that if that's you, he's telling you, I want to see you in Galilee. I want you to come. I want you to be an ambassador for me. I trust you. I love you. I forgive you, I have restored you, and I welcome you with open arms to keep running. Just as I told the woman caught in public that they brought to me, they wanted me to stone her. They wanted to stone her, but they dropped their stones, and all I said to her was, go and sin no more. So I want to tell you tonight, if you know one, pray for him. If that's you, we'll gladly pray with you. But I want to tell you that his hand is not short, that it cannot save. So as he plays, whatever it is you're going to play, I want you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. I want you to call out those people's names that you may know who they are and let them 
uh, and, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. He's having a little technical difficulties over here. Or you can play something, just not sing. I'll turn it on for you. come take my license that's not my intent at all but I am to the place right now in my life where I am almost ashamed of what the church as a whole has become when we become just a place to come and communicate and to hang out remember there's a Peter there's a Mary Magdalene that may doubt but there's a Jesus who's alive and well and he's saying bring them to me bring them to me they're not going to come on their own because they feel ashamed and, and they're, they're, they're not worthy and the fact of the matter is none of us are but bring them to me we, we've treated church as it's a social club or it's, it's some kind of society that, that you just gotta you just gotta learn where to belong. There is no there is a place for everybody. Will you bring them? Will you? Will you take the time out of your day to listen to the Holy Spirit? Stop you from your busyness. Because maybe if, if, if just, just hear me for a moment, if the Holy Spirit wasn't as who He is, if God was not as gracious as He is, and the Lord was not as merciful as He is, then I would be the Peter, I would be the Peter that didn't get to come back to Him. Because I'm going to tell you, I've denied Him before. I've blown opportunities before. I haven't, I haven't done what I was supposed to with the gospel before. But guess what? Every single time, he would point me back to the empty tomb. And I did it for you. Leave that junk in the grave. So tonight, however, just let the Lord speak to you tonight.
want you to pray with me, us. There's some people that are part of this church that are some dangerous places. And, and, and you didn't just pray. It don't matter who, don't matter what, just pray. And it's not just here, it's all over the world. But we, we have the privilege to speak truth, to show the love of Christ. And, and we will. But as you go throughout this week, remember those Peters, the, the, the Marys, the Marthas, the the people that have maybe not made the most of every opportunity, maybe feel like they've blown it, or, or you even know that, man, I just, I've just, I've just uh, this is probably it, man, I just don't know. Call their name out. Reach out to them. Love them. Show them the love of Christ. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place tonight. Thank you, Lord, that you're alive. And Lord, let us be alive. Lord, I pray that you would awaken our hands that have fallen asleep. Lord, our legs, feet that have fallen asleep because we've been still for too long. Lord, I pray that you would awaken our hearts our ears to hear you, to receive you, Lord. Lord, to, to listen to your voice, to, to respond when you say go. Lord, we're asking big for you to continue to move and have your way. And Lord, I, I don't know why, but I just feel the need to ask you to, to send things this, our way so that we wouldn't be a slave to debt that we could be what you've called us to be, who you've called us to be, the church. Lord, that nothing is impossible for you. Lord, we're, we're still believing for over a thousand souls to come to you this year through Lakeside Church. We don't doubt it. We don't deny it. Lord, it's, it's impossible with us, but everything is possible with you. Lord, we're, we're crying out for the addicts, for those that are in bondage, Lord. Those that are contemplating suicide, God, we cry out for them. Lord, let us be your body. Let us be your hands and feet. Lord, we're crying out, move in their lives. Lord, set us free tonight. Thank you, Lord. We give you all the honor and glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to remind you tonight, the first Friday of every month, we've been doing this for several months, the first Friday of every month, we pray, we, we join in prayer with churches around the world, literally around the world, to pray for 24 hours. We ask for people to sign up for a one-hour time slot. You pray at your house, you can pray in your car, you can, wherever you want to pray, but for an hour, there's some... Is the sheet out there? It's out there. There are several slots that are open. You don't, if you don't want people to know who you are, that's fine. You want to put an X. I don't care what you put. But we need to, it's, prayer is the most powerful weapon we have. And we need to be crying out for what? On behalf of this nation. Because if you hadn't noticed, it's in a mess. The half of this world, if you hadn't noticed that it's becoming more and more and more wicked, that the church would be the church that, that we would be the body of Christ, crying out for souls to be saved, for uh, the sick to be healed, for, for those that are in bondage to be freed. 24 hours of prayer. We do this the first Friday of every single month. I, I, and if you think, I, Lord, I can't pray for an hour, you'd be surprised. When you forget about you, and you begin to praise Him for who He is, and cry out on behalf of other people, it's gone before you know it. So there's time slots out there. I don't know what they are that are open. I know a lot of the crazy hours are already taken. 
uh, which we try to leave those hours that are more convenient for folks open. But uh, please sign up. Uh, if you don't want to, again, sign your name. If you want to put an X or, or an R or a, or a Z or a 3, I don't care what you put, just so we know. But uh, we love you guys. Uh, anything else I'm missing? Yeah, maybe Charlie's turn, ready to go. We, we, we're ready. Woo! Or I, maybe I'm, 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 I say that easy, but I don't have to do anything. <laughs> so uh, anyway, Mother's Day. Remember, we don't have a service Sunday night, but um, Mother's Day, Mother's this Saturday. The beautiful party is Saturday, and uh, what, 11 to 1. Anyway, y'all know what's going on. I don't, but we'll see you soon. Be blessed.